right, well, uh, thanks for joining me today. Uh, today on today's show, uh, we've got uh, Jonathan Allen from the uh, town of Sundry. Thanks for joining us today, Jonathan. Yeah, thanks, Paul. It's great to be on. Yeah, I mean, one of the great uh, minds in economic development in Alberta. Uh, it, it's great to have you here. And, you know, a couple of things that come to mind when I when I think about Jonathan is, uh, how he's managed to uh, relocate. Uh, you know, he's got a great story of how he ended up in Alberta, and I think that's a that's a great story to share with our uh, listeners. Do you mind telling us a little bit about that? <laughs> sure. Um, well, okay. Well, uh, I came to Alberta in 2013, so I remember uh, I sold my vehicle, which was parked at my friend's house in Niagara, and. Uh, I, I was very fortunate that he was holding on to my car. I was living in Toronto at the time for several years, and I had this old Buick, and I was not running properly, whatever. I wasn't making a lot of money either. So I had to actually sell the car to buy my plane ticket to get to Alberta and then uh, purchase this old Saturn at the time, the weekend that I arrived. So March 1st, 2013, I, I, was, I landed in Calgary, went to a hostel, and... Uh, subsequently, like did this mad search for a car that I needed to have. So uh, I was fortunate to find this 2003 Saturn, and I kept that car for several years. It didn't owe me a thing. Um, and I, I started work immediately in the town of Vulcan initially. I The reason I came to Alberta, though, is because I, I went to university and, and post-secondary for about uh, at least six years. And I, uh, you know, I got my education, but even though I had this education that was married with this really kind of cool amount of experience with these large corporations and whatnot through internships and co-ops and whatever, as soon as I finished school, I couldn't, I couldn't get a job to save my life. I didn't know what happened. You know, I was working at the keg as a waiter, which is, uh, sort of a, a fantastic place to work by the way, but wasn't what I went to school for, you know? And I had this epiphany um, after, actually, I, I sort of had a, I think it was, I don't, at one point I came across Brock Dickinson, who was uh, one of the people who's well known in economic development. And I remember this, it was approximately December, 2012. And I spoke with my mom about this. And my mom had done some previous work with Brock in St. Catharines, where I think he originally hails from. And I, I, the concept of local economic development was introduced to me, whereas previously I was always thinking international economic development. I was thinking the UN, I was thinking whatever. But the idea of doing local economic development was sort of just over my head until I started reading up on it. And I, I, uh, I had this epiphany where I'm going to be applying, I'm going to get into local economic development. So I applied everywhere across the country. So I, um, I applied from like Nunavut to Nova Scotia and then everywhere in between. And it just so happens that the that uh, Vulcan is where I landed. So Alberta gave me a shot. So I went from this tiny little uh, one bedroom apartment where I was living with my then girlfriend, who is now my wife, uh, in, in Toronto, in this old 1940s building, no elevator, and came to Vulcan. So downtown Toronto, big giant city, as we know. Uh, to, to a small town. And I, I do joke, half jokingly, 
that I had more culture shock going to Vulcan from downtown Toronto than I had spending six months in the Middle East previously during school. So it was this kind of thing that happened. Um, I cut my teeth there in Vulcan with an organization called the Vulcan Business Development Society. Uh, and then in 2014, I was able to get a job in the town of Sundry. And the town of Sundry is a slightly larger town in the foothills, surrounded by trees and rivers, and just absolutely beautiful. So for the past nine years now, I have been doing um, community economic development, uh, which encompasses business development, tourism development, communications, community development, special projects, planning, um, programs, all that kind of stuff. Uh, in the, the town of Sundry. So for nine years now in the town of Sundry, and it's been wonderful. It's allowed me to build a life. And that's just such a great story, Jonathan. Um, not uncommon, like this happens in Alberta and we hear variations of this story, but uh, yours I think is somewhat unique in economic development to hear that story. I haven't heard too many of those uh, specifically. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, you've been with the Town of Sundry now for, you know, just over going into your 10th year, I understand. Um, how how, how yes. are things going these days? And uh, can you tell us a little bit about some of the projects that you're, you know, excited about in Sundry? Right. Well, right now, one of the major projects that we just finished uh, launching is the Mountain View Regional Film Office Um which was done in collaboration and equal partnership with the town of Disbury and Mountain View County. Uh, this is a very special project uh, because it's unique in that the Mountain View Regional Film Office is the first rural film office of its kind in Alberta. So uh, we're we're very fortunate to to be able to have sort of co-founded this organization and. Um, I, I find myself working a lot with our partners to try to recruit filming. Now, the town of Didsbury has already had a has already a a well-established film industry in that town. Um, people people have heard about how Didsbury has a lot of filming going on there. Winona Earp, Fargo, um, Under the Banner of Heaven, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the county itself has had some filming in the area as well. And now the town of Sundry has not been known as a filming destination. I think <laughs> prior to the independent release of Pipe Nation, which kind of precipitated our sort of trajectory toward becoming a filming destination in the year 2020, uh, prior to that, I think the only thing that had ever really been filmed here was a music video for Robbie Williams of the UK. So right now what we've got is this opportunity to showcase Western architecture, the, the natural beauty of, of the eastern slopes and the foothills uh, of Mount View County and Sundry in general. To piggy, to provide that as a backdrop toward this sort of prairie, small town, red brick uh, scene provided by the town of Didsbury. Uh, and uh, about, I think it was only about three, four months ago that we actually officially launched the, the Mount View Film Office with the launch party only in May. And already right now, we actually have a production that has started as of yesterday here in Sundry as well. It's uh, it's a new independent uh, production, a slate of five films um, under the working title Project Six Shooter that's being filmed right in town for the international market. So I'm very, uh, very excited by that. 
Yeah, that's uh, a great uh, industry to get into. <clears throat> Just in the last few days, you see uh, the bounce that uh, The Last of Us uh, got with uh, Emmy nominations with HBO and uh, just how much exposure Alberta's received over the last few years from, you know, Fort McLeod and Ghostbusters, uh, as well as The Last of Us, uh, just some great footage there. And, um, you know, Sundry does have some advantages for sure, uh, in the sense that uh, there's probably a better chance that you can get into certain areas without, uh, say, some of the vehicle disruption and traffic and all those complexities that come with filming. Yeah, that's right. Our administration and council is very much pro-diversification and pro-film. And so um, right now we, we we're very, very easy to work with when it comes to trying to approve anything to happen. Uh, we, we don't even charge anything at this point, to be honest with you. I mean, that might change in the near future as we kind of uh, start adopting different policies in support of film friendliness. But uh, right now, we we are just working at, as an in-kind gesture toward any sort of production that needs to come here. And uh, it'll be that way for the foreseeable future. But I do need to, of course, acknowledge that the town of Didsbury, Mountain County, and the town of Sundry have already been collaborating behind the scenes to try and sort of create this uniform set of policies so that the partnership under the Mountain View Regional Film Office has this kind of succinct, across-the-board, equal um, set of policies that makes it easy for anybody to, to, to come here and start doing productions. Well, and I think that'll just make it that much easier to understand the rules uh, within the jurisdiction. It's great to have the county on board as well, um, right. because clearly uh, there's a lot of area there that you, you would cover um, through through their their lands within their jurisdiction. But That's then right. you've got some great backdrops within uh, Didsbury and Sundry to to add to that. So that's that's, that's a right. great, uh, great thing to add uh, for sure. Yeah. One one of the other things uh I think is a is a great crossover with uh with you Jonathan is your uh you've got an entrepreneurial mindset which I think <laughs> is an absolute requirement in economic development but not every economic developer is also an entrepreneur. So, uh, you know, I, I know uh, there's a few things that you've had on the go in Sundry and uh I sort of watch from afar when admire the work that you're doing with uh, uh, participating in the economy there. Can you tell us a little bit about that too? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I have an entrepreneurial mindset to sometimes my detriment as a government worker, because <laughs> I am not really, an, I'm not a natural bureaucrat. I like to just find a solution and kind of, okay, these are the things to get it done. Can we do it? No? Oh boy. Okay. Now we got it. I, I have learned to manage uh, permitting and process very well since I've been in the field for almost about 10 years now, actually over 10 years. And so my, it, the, the combination of my entrepreneurial habits along with real world bureaucracy has, has allowed me to, and planning has allowed me to uh, create uh, at least one business uh, right now that is operating. It's a craft coffee shop called El Canal Craft Coffee based in Sundry. And we have our own brand of craft roasted specialty grade one coffee. And uh, we're very proud of that. I think we have some of the best coffee in the West Country. Um, and uh, we also have a bit of a, a small 
real estate investment kind of business that my wife and I operate. Uh, very small, but uh, we like to, you know, we like to dabble. And so yeah, the uh, the entrepreneurial sort of mindset of making things happen and and having a adequate and healthy tolerance for risk has uh, yeah allowed me to to be a part of the economy just like you put it and that's right um and which which by the way also allows me to have a kind of hands-on uh real world understanding in my interactions with business owners so I mean, we all know that priority number one with business development in the field of economic development is, is business retention and expansion. And so I, I have a, a real existential understanding of that as it comes to our, our tiny little craft coffee shop, uh, particularly um, as it may relate to other businesses in town. And the only thing that really differs really truly is, is scale. But I, I get the idea about what they're dealing with when it comes to communications, branding, marketing, uh, traffic, gross margins, you know, um, and all the all the things. So, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's really a, a great crossover. It allows me to do my job better, really, is what it does. So, yeah, and I have to say great coffee. I did have a chance to go through Sundry last year and oh. picked up a picked up a, a, a pound of coffee and enjoyed that and it was say it was great to to make that connection and uh have, have that you know i at on a basic level you any any community worth uh worth its salt has to have a great coffee place and uh definitely is one of those for sure so it, it was great to to be able to see it great to be able to taste it and great to be able to uh yeah have that experience I appreciate that, Paul. Yeah, I know. And there are, of course, uh, I'm not the only game in town and I don't want to uh, make it sound like that we're the only game in town. I mean, there are other uh, companies that, of course, are worth checking out. Um, but uh, all, all the same, my wife and I have been having fun running this running this this business. Yeah, that's that's so cool. Um, one of the things I think I've really noticed over the years in Sundry is just how much exposure you've managed to get, in particular promoting the tourism side of Sundry. And, and, and I mean, quite frankly, like there are not many communities like Sundry that are out there that have the advantage of having a town atmosphere, but also the proximity to mountains and outdoors and all of the outdoor recreation that's right there. Um, what 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 would you say is kind of the secret to uh, building that awareness and and tourism uh, these days? So that's a great question. Thank you. Um, so Sundry's, I, I don't want to say unique, but it is sort of unique. So on one hand, Sundry uh, is similar to other communities in the eastern slopes where they have nearby not locally i mean not right in town of course but nearby horseback riding they've got the rafting hunting camping all that kind of stuff crownland camping just beauty untold natural beauty just right right here in town and nearby i mean there's not a day that goes by where i don't see deer crying out loud but i mean it's amazing um many people here take it just as a, an aside <laughs> many people take it for granted you know they see deer oh okay great you know i came from the city man and like you see a deer that's magical <laughs> and i i see deer pooping in my yard every day it's wonderful um i, I call the deer poop the the tax it's the deer tax it's the tax you got to pay to have deer in your community and to be so close to such nature so i'm all for it but anyway yeah i digress i digress um the 
the thing that Sundry has also, in addition to the recreational assets all nearby, the golf courses, um, we, uh, we've got 2,000 campsites within 10 minutes of town. So we've got that, the three golf courses. We've got culture, though. And this is the thing that I think really allows Sundry to stand out. So in addition to all the things nearby and all the camping and the natural beauty, we have culture. And I'm going to give a, a, a two or three examples of that. So right in the heart of Sundry, we've got this unique museum and pioneer village featuring a natural history exhibit called the World of Wildlife. So uh, this is a national class museum. I mean, they have done an amazing job. It's not just a, a building um, run by the historical society that's basically a jumble of storage as archives but i mean it is a well curated exhibition space featuring history plus the natural history exhibit featuring hundreds of animals around the world and a really well presented display very well amazingly well presented display plus the collection of historic buildings uh, pioneer um, schoolhouse Pioneer House, uh, the schoolhouse, the actual Pioneer Home, um, blacksmith shop, uh, just a whole bunch of the whole bunch of them. And by the way, just as another aside, that Pioneer Village is a fantastic spot to do filming. So Project Six Shooter, which I just spoke about, is actually sort of using the Pioneer Village as a backlot to do their filming. Uh, and it's fantastic and very affordable as well. But uh, in addition to that, so that's culture. You've got that cultural aspect, this unique gem right in the heart of our historic Riverside area in downtown Sundry. But in addition to that, you also have, um, for instance, Bergen Rocks International Sculpture Park. So Bergen Rocks is a private sculpture gallery that is free to access about seven minutes just south of town and the area of Bergen within Mountain View County. And it features uh, a, a large collection of marble sculptures made by artists from around the world. And we're talking large sculptures, taller than you or wider than you, just large sculptures made of uh, Vietnamese marble uh, that were crafted by international artists who stayed on this gentleman's property uh, during uh, as a sort of symposia that he would host. His name is Morton Burke. So Morton Burke, one of the greatest champions of art and culture in our province, would have these people come in from Vietnam or Cambodia or Cuba, Iran, uh, China, Turkey, um, you know, the U.S. and Canada, and, and I'm sure other countries as well that I'm forgetting, but uh, Tibet. Uh, anyway, they would come in and they would stay on his property, which if you're coming from these countries is located in an exceptionally remote and rural area. Uh, and they would just lock themselves away and work on these amazing works of sculpt uh, of, of sculpted art. Uh, they're beautiful. Anyway, it's free to access. It's called Bergen Rocks International Sculpture Park, but I do recommend a donation, and I would appreciate if you guys gave a donation to Morton Burke for his wonderful contribution to culture in our province and our community. Uh, and another asset, another cultural asset, is uh, the Wild Horses of Alberta Society. So Woes operates a refuge for wild horses just west of town, about 15 minutes west of town in a very, very beautifully scenic and treed area where they take care of horses that have been either um, injured or become a nuisance to ranchers so that they do not need to become either culled, you know, basically killed. And we don't want that to happen. So they have set up this really amazing, humane um, uh, ranch, or I should say refuge, for these horses where they rescue them 
they make them gentle. So they make them gentle and prepared to be adopted. So all the horses are adopted out and cared for and provided at, 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 at only an expense to them. And I say that this is a cultural institution because this is such a unique experience that you can't get anywhere else to be able to go to this refuge. Well, they will take you and they'll even take you on a wagon ride through their property, about 100 acres or so, to just go and sort of interact with one of the herds of wild horses that kind of actually just hangs out there. <laughs> so they're free roaming. They're free roaming around this this refuge and they and they they're essentially wild. And you can actually go there and learn about all these horses. You can interact with these horses and you could go through their property. It's a wonderful experience that sort of examines the cultural history of Alberta because many of these horses are descended from uh, the horses that were either lost or set free uh, 100, 150 years ago during the settlement of our of our area. Uh, one of the unique things, by the way, just again, I, I love to digress. I mean, my, my mind just <laughs> goes in great. My mind goes in these great journeys oh, of storytelling. But, fantastic. <laughs> but another digression is the fact that these these folks who operate woes are actively advocating for the Alberta mountain horse, which is what they call wild horses out here, uh, as to, to be recognized as its own sort of subspecies of of, of horse. And um, it's kind of neat because they've been working with the University of Calgary to sort of track the genetics of these horses to work on um, contraceptive programs, a contraceptive dart program that they that they did previously work with the University of Calgary to try to manage humanely the population of the horses. But they have found that through their work that there is a unique genetic, uh, I guess, that um, they have a unique they have unique genetics is what I'm trying to say. And so as such, they are looking to be able to have the horse identified, not just as this feral free roaming horse, a wild horse, but actually as, as, as the Alberta mountain horse, so to speak, because they share genetics with the horses, interestingly enough, that used to roam here during the ice age and whatnot. So there's, there's a linkage there that uh, they, they feel is worth protecting. Anyway, some cultural relevance there. Sundry, of course, also has the Sundry Performing Arts Center. Many communities, five times our size, don't even have an art center or performing arts center. So we're very fortunate to have that. Long story short, the combination of culture and recreational activities, plus the 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 natural beauty of the area and all the trails and mountain biking and camping, all very much just within our area, and the abundance of like the number of restaurants and businesses and all this kind of stuff really, I believe, makes uh, Sundry a unique, quintessentially Albertan destination that has been um, experiencing a lot of tourism growth. So we're very fortunate. We've been we've been promoting Sundry and putting us on trying to put ourselves on the map as a legitimate destination to 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 visit, um, to move to, to invest into. And we've been seeing some success. Our statistics are showing it, too. Yeah, and I, those are fantastic, Jonathan. Like, I'm so glad that you shared that about the, the sculpture park, the, uh, you know, the the Western Park, I guess you could say, as well as uh, the Wild Horse uh, Refuge. Those are, you know, a few things I had no idea were happening in Sundry. And, uh, you know, that's the thing about tourism is it takes people to communicate what they've experienced. And we're, we're sort of in this experience uh realm now with uh, everybody uh instagramming and tiktoking everything that they do 
these are great candidates for people to share those experiences with their friends and family for sure. And uh, just so many, so many things that people haven't experienced. And that's one of the great things about a place like Sundry is that, you know, if you're in Calgary, yeah, sure, you go to Banff and you go to Canmore. And after a while, it's Canmore and it's Banff and you've been there a few times. So, but in reality, it's not that far to go to go to, to Sundry and enjoy a different speed or a different pace. Uh, but, you know, at a time when, uh, my own personal opinion, the last thing I want to do is go to Lake Louise in the summer where I have to hop on a bus to go from a parking lot so that I can take a look at a lake. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's insane the amount of traffic. You know, that's what we're getting. dealing with. Uh, in some of the major major places like i mean it's great that banff got like the number one tourism destination in the world a couple of years ago uh recognized uh through content asked and, and and other magazines but myself i'd rather go somewhere where i'm going to have a little bit of space and going to be able to enjoy that the outdoors right. without uh wanting to throat punch somebody on a trail uh, <laughs> yeah yeah i face especially because yeah. Like you end up invariably getting litter on the trails. I mean, there's just so many people and they just it's it's with that many people, the odds of somebody not respecting the natural area that they are in the uh, increases. And so we're very fortunate that we have an abundance of trails um, and and they're very, very well taken care of because uh, although we've been seeing growing tourism, thank goodness, it's uh, it's it's from people who generally respect nature and we hope to to keep that and i obviously you know sometimes people make mistakes uh, we need to educate people on you know what the best thing to do uh when, when they're on trails but you know actually in sundry it's kind of funny we've got so many trails in town we've got the foothills uh but we're you know we're a little bit larger than bray creek obviously i mean bray creek is a hamlet uh we've got uh, bray creek is so well known and so close to calgary that of course that it's so saturated and i love bray creek i absolutely love bray, bray creek but uh, for people that want to kind of get off the saturated trails, they can come to Sundry and still have a trails experience with restaurants and cafes and and the shops and and the the when when they're done being on the trail, they can still have the town experience. They can go camping, but you know we are larger than Bragg, not as big as Canmore. And Canmore, of course, is in one of the most epically beautiful uh, valleys in the in the world, um, and. Uh, you know, in many ways, Canmore has this, it's it's so developed now, but it it still is a small town in, in many ways. I mean, it's it's sort of this thing. It's almost like got this bipolar sort of personality where it's 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 been so saturated and yet still a small town. I I think that Sundry could be the baby that Bray Creek and Canmore never had, if we get there. And maybe throw in, maybe throw in Throwing Cochrane too. So if Canmore, Bray Creek, and Cochrane had a sort of menage a trois, you know, a trois, <laughs> and had a baby, and had a baby, this is sundry, right? I mean, we could have the livability of of Cochrane, um, maybe some of the cultural atmosphere that 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 Canmore can provide, and then and then the 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 recreational assets that and and natural beauty of the foothills that 
Bray Creek can provide. I think that 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 is where we would probably like to see Sundry go. The only difference being that we want it to be authentic. We don't want it to feel plastic and we need it to, we, we genuinely, as a, we have to look at ourselves in Sundry and we have to improve some of the architectural um, uh, deficits, I'll say that we have. Um, but that all comes down to our placemaking effort. And right now, Sundry is actually, if you don't mind me just going off about this, so Sundry is actually right now focusing on natural uh, wellness and 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 um, placemaking through parks and social gathering spots. So you might have heard of Richard, Richard Florida. Do you know Richard Florida by oh, chance? Oh, yeah, I've heard of yeah. Richard Florida for okay, sure. Right on. Yeah, so Richard Florida, for those who don't know who might be listening to this, uh, is a internationally well-known um, placemaking expert who teaches, I believe, still at the University of Toronto. Um, anyway, so he, he talks about your three places. So the third places, first place is where you live. Your second place is where you, you work. And then your third place are those social gathering spots that people naturally like to congregate. So whether that be outdoors for an event space or a cafe patio to watch people or the mall to just mall watch, to just people watch. It's those third places where you go to socially congregate. And so our town right now, of course, being an outdoor oriented community with an abundance and over abundance, not over abundance, but a, just a sheer mass amount of natural beauty uh, in, in close proximity to us and within our town are trying to, as a municipality and, and with in partnership with community groups, we are attempting to develop those third places, those those natural assets we're building um, right now. Uh, something we just recently did was we developed a uh, a seating area with a pergola and picnic tables with chess boards and a a light garden so this kind of um, functional light lighting display that is simultaneously artistic in the way that it's been patterned out with these columns of light but also serving a dual or dual purpose of providing lighting to a seating area and congregation spot in our community's West End travel node, where there's like, you know, McDonald's and a bunch of different kind of travel stop stuff. Um, and so we are developing that. So we, we could have just done the bare basic bare bones, but we're fortunate that we have such a great council and community that have supported our investments into placemaking like that. Uh, we, we've also recently supported the community um, through uh, in the creation of uh, a gazebo, a really beautiful wooden gazebo in our Greenwood Park and campground located also in our in our our town's historic Riverside area. Very beautiful, where we have live music. People can use it for events and that kind of stuff. So we'll have live music in that gazebo. It's all hooked up for music and that kind of stuff right on our Riverside. And uh, of course, we we have our trails, multiple kilometers of trails on our Snake Hill Recreation Area. We have newly lit uh Pathway lights through in our in our pathways that that connect the community in what would have been otherwise dark spots. And again, they could have just been the most basic lighting just to serve the very most bare bones purpose of security. But we went through uh, we 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 pursued the decision to beautify. So we're using very stylish lights that are reminiscent of the light garden columns of light. And it's just all these things. And these are just this is just a, a small touch of it. You know, we have new wayfinding signs, new, new, new branding. We're trying very hard uh, to develop our built environment so that we can ensure that people enjoy being outside, 
when they're in when when they're not in their home or work. Though we're developing those third places, and um, it's it, it's it's something that's been working for us, and that's that's uh, yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm sort of just going off and off, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, Jonathan, I think. When I hear you talk about those things, one of the things that comes to mind, it gets right back to uh, where you started about getting into community economic development. And really, the end game from the way I see it in community economic development is to always build quality of life. And that's right. And so so really, like we see a lot of crossover between planning and economic development uh, in in particular when you work in a municipal environment and uh, anything that you can do that elevates the value or perceived value of the community because you've invested in, like you say, those public realm spaces uh, and you're not sort of cheaping out and saying, we're just going to slap, slap this together just to, to check a box. Uh, Really, the the, the invest it is truly an investment when you put in uh, quality streetscaping, you put in uh, mm-hmm. wayfinding that makes sense, you mm-hmm. build pathways that people want to be on, and you mm-hmm. do the kinds of things that make people want to be there. Mm-hmm. Then soon thereafter, people follow and say, "This is a community I want to be part of." That's right. So there's uh, uh, there's excuse me, sorry. There are three qualities that I like to say exist. Uh, to create the the three most important qualities and factors relevant to inward direct investment into a given geographic area are one, it's quality of life. You nailed it on the head. Um, I personally believe that quality of place is interchangeable and intrinsically, intrinsically linked to quality of life. So quality of living and place. If you have a, if you have a, an excellent quality of place that is both beautiful and provides amenities you will be increasing the subjective satisfaction of people with where they are. And that leads to their happiness and your happiness is linked to your quality of life. So quality of living and place together are intrinsically, intrinsically, I can't even say the word, intrinsically, <laughs> intrinsically linked. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, embar- I'm embarrassing myself on your podcast because I can't no. speak now, but, um, but so you've got that. Um, and then you've also got, of course, uh, your, your quality of infrastructure, so you need to be able to have um, the, 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 the physical infrastructure to be able to move the thing. So the thing could be data. And so we're very fortunate that Sundry right now is now, as of this year, as of this, this, this summer, as of last month, a uh, fiber optically connected community. So now we have fiber optics to the premise throughout the entire urban contiguous area of our corporate limits, thanks to ExploreNet doing their very first Alberta uh, fiber deployment. And that was a project I worked on for a very long time. So we're very, very happy about that. Uh, and then you've also got to have the quality workforce. And as we know, quality workforce is a, is a major issue. Um, and, you know, if you can't, if you don't have, going back to quality of living, if you don't have the quality of living, you're not going to have the ability to attract the workers that will become your workforce. Now, clearly, clearly, people will move places if they can get paid enough. I mean, um, and, and so you got to be able to have the natural resources nearby if you're, if you're a resource-based economy uh, or, or just general jobs nearby to be able to attract them. But, you know, if you have the option to move to uh, 
community A versus community B for a job because we're all competing for labor. You need to be able to have that quality of place, those third places to be able to attract the workers. And now that we have the fiber optics, we have the ability now to attract the uh, that ultra high value segment of workers called the creative class, those knowledge workers who typically make more money, that spend more money, go out and about, that create really unique businesses that are creative that and those businesses then become part of the 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 fabric of your society of course and again those are supported by uh the by the attractiveness of your community to attract not just the entrepreneur not just the workers but the entrepreneurs so um you know you're 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 right on man when you say that quality of living is number one i just merely say that it's quality of living and place uh qlp together that is intrinsically linked together and we must always focus on that any elected official must focus on that if they're going to be wanting to compete in this ultra competitive uh um labor market let alone um just investment market you know for sure and you know it's interesting when you talk about that i i just hear uh hear and feel the bohemian index of sundry just jumping (laughs) jumping exponentially between like all the like you said all the creative uh industry that's there all the creative uh you know museums sculpture Mm -hmm. parks and and Mm -hmm. so on that bring people who find that interesting things bring interesting people to Mm -hmm. your community um Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's no offense to like when we're talking about museums like there's a there's a stereotypical museum uh in in small towns and it's starts with a caboose on the front (laughs) yeah and then from there it's you know photos of grain elevators and those are not that there's anything wrong because they are preserving the history but at all but it has to go beyond that and it has to be uh taking a look at things beyond just the obvious and and things that once were here uh because there's there's so many other options out there. It's and you know and that's the thing I think that can be applied to not only museums but sort of any business out there. But it's how you sort of present yourself to today's modern discerning consumers. And so the same consumers that might go to a sort of craft little hipster coffee shop might go to also a museum. And you want them to have an equally good experience. You want to have that. You want to be ready. You want to have that visitor readiness. And, you know, a museum or sorry, a museum that acts as an archive and it's run by an amazing group of volunteers, but is not perhaps properly curated or it, it might be um, sort of jumbled in there, you know, but they're protecting the history of their community is great. But you want people to be able to experience your history without the clutter. And so a well curated museum that is presented well and informs you well and has information on the various artifacts and has uh, segmented sections toward various items uh, or uh, topics or categories or whatever, it it can make the visitor experience, I think, more enjoyable and perhaps more memorable and uh, worth talking about, you know. So, um, yeah, we're very fortunate to have an amazing museum out here. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, you mentioned it a little bit there, uh, unique experiences. I mean, they're, they're, that's what drives this. 
but when you land you have to be able to feel comfortable and that makes it so that you're more likely that you want to come back right right yeah no that's that's exactly it yeah well i'm going to uh leave it at that for now jonathan it's been so much fun chatting with you about things that are happening in sundry and i hope i get a chance down the road to chat with you again yeah no it's great honestly um I love uh, I love talking economic development. I love talking the philosophy behind it, the ideology, the the, the different ways that people can think about it. It's uh, it's a I guess it's my wheelhouse, and it's a ton of fun to chat with you. And I love the fact that you have this this podcast going, Paul. So I appreciate you yeah, allowing me and, to be on. And, and I always have to say, and I forgot to mention it sort of when we got going here, when I picked the name of the podcast, Live Work Play, it was sort of tongue in cheek to say that's yeah. <laughs> that's the yeah i know where you're going with that <laughs> that's that's yeah. the uh stereotypical garden variety slogan for every yeah. small town out there is why don't you come and live work and play here yeah um but through that i think uh, i i was just sort of poking fun at uh, the expression and then saying uh here's a chance for us to go beyond that so thanks yeah. again for joining us jonathan it's been a real pleasure having you on the show and uh looking forward to chatting again soon awesome paul thanks so much okay well thanks as always for joining me on live work play the economic development podcast it was great having jonathan allen on the show this week stay tuned for future episodes forward me any information or any guests you think you'd like to hear from in the future. Have a great day.